Hello, hello to our podcasting listening audience. This is episode 20 of our second episode of season two of the Living the Grace Life podcast. I'm your host, Jim Hobbs, here in studio, as always, with the lead pastor of Grace Life Church in super sunny Sarasota, Florida, Joe Davis. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm good. excited about episode two of season two. Did you think that we would get, well, did you think at the beginning we'd have season two? We'd I get thought to you'd fire me 20? after six episodes. <laughs> So, Joe, I'm so. not like those other churches. No, that's good, because I've been fired a few I like, times. Yeah, me <laughs> so too. Good, good. I think every profession, you know, if we all had to admit, I think every, I think, every, well, every job I've had, I probably should have been fired <laughs> if I go back and yeah, look maybe, at it, maybe. right? So. Except I owned my last company. Yeah. So anyhow, we've got a lot to talk about here on this being episode two of season two, and that includes the topic of hospitality, welcoming the stranger, which is my cue to welcome no stranger to anyone of this podcast, Wayne Dallaire, our studio technician with Jump Dog Audio Productions. Wayne, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Jim, for asking. That's Thank you. great. You know what would be great? What's that, Jim? If I could have my words, but Wayne's voice. <laughs> Wayne, yeah, maybe... You hear? You hear his voice? It is like smooth. Say a few baby. words, Wayne. A few words. Oh, see there. He, that's he nice. Took the that's why I need <laughs> why my words. Why haven't I noticed that? That's why I need my words episodes. and not his. But I need his yeah. voice. You think that'll you know. be the? Uh, all right, we can give Wayne a card to say, you know, whatever, whatever you want him to do. So, hey, I yeah. wanted to mention, by the way, I know people since the summer, our podcast is now available on several different venues. It's available on iHeartRadio. That's right. It's available on Spotify. Uh, Google Podcasts. It's okay. always been available on iTunes. iTunes. And so we're actually available on quite a few These formats now. Here, yeah. I'm also excited about some of the guests we're going to have in the early part of season two. Great guests. I tell you, last season we had a ton of fun <laughs> with a lot of different people. Yeah. And it just seemed like, and podcasting today, I'm telling you, everybody it feels like wants to be a part of it. This coming season two, we've got Megan Mooney who does a fan. She doesn't know it yet that she's going to she be. She now knows it because she must she be listening. <laughs> Megan. Welcome to <laughs> one of our episodes of season two. She does a phenomenal job with our worship band yeah, she's every amazing. Sunday at Grace Life. Dan Olson. Now we talked about him. I think one. Who tell us about Dan? Well, Dan was the uh, other one of the other pastors at yeah. our church in New Hyde Park. That's right. That's that we right. were at, and he was the one who really shepherded my family through the loss of our daughter. That's right. And he's That's a lifelong right. friend. Uh, he has his own church now called New Hope Church in in Westbury. Ah, uh, yeah. That's where then, I uh, was in, in back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where, where, I was well, in Westbury. He's, yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. We're going to have... He also was one of the editors of this book oh, okay. of The Grace Life. So, oh, great. So yeah. he'll be on our yeah, show. Be on. We'll have some more friends. And you just, you know, Tim Vance is another guy, a great associate <laughs> pastor out the American Church in Paris who really gives a... A uh, really incredible perspective on this whole idea of being able to to welcome people, and I think that becomes a big part of. And we're going to talk about that here on this interview coming up with uh, Pastor Jody Fondell. She's the author of "I Was a Stranger." It's called this book. Just came out last month. Encouraging the church to welcome and embrace the foreigner. So that's exciting to mm -hmm. see because we. I don't. Uh, in terms of foreigners, it seems like we always think about it as. 
well, that would be people coming here right. <laughs> rather than us going somewhere else and living and mm. being the foreigner. That mm. was why I lived in Paris for six years. So it's always interesting. Here to... in Sarasota, we consider the foreigners anybody from Bradenton. Yeah, right. So. That's like across, yeah, way, yeah, so. way out there. So we're going to be talking about that. And really, again, we've got more of Chapter 6, which we had such a great episode last time on Episode 19. This will be Chapter 6 of Joe's book, The Grace Life. What Philippians teaches us about loving one another relentlessly. It is called Beware of the Dogs. And we got into some of the topics there as to who and what, besides Julio, your friend that runs around, it, who is, you know, how does, well, you know, does I this think work? I had about 120 people unfriend me on Facebook after that. <laughs> no. I'm Did Julio or no? And then you'd know he's okay. Yeah, I'm concerned <laughs> you were about worried Julio. about him. I haven't I seen know. him in a long time. Well, you know, he, that means he's concerned about you. I, because I he hope, hasn't seen you. I hope Julio's okay. <laughs> I hope he's still a dog. Well, I <laughs> I don't know. Let's hope so. Poor Julio. Let's see. Let's hope he's doing well. But we've got all that, plenty of guests, plenty of topics. If you've got a question for us, you email us, please, at livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. That's livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. It is all right here. We are welcoming the stranger on episode 20 of Living the Grace Life. Joe, that was quite an appropriate song you just picked there. Well, they're who always are, appropriate. But you really like who? You, well, you love the who. Well, I love the who, but I think it's important for people to know that there is a lot of legwork that goes into picking this bumper music. We have a whole team. That being you, and if you know we're talking about I Was a Stranger, that's how you do that, right? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it actually happened pretty quick. It happened at the end of the last it segment. It happened hey, really you know. fast. It happened fast. Well, we are so fortunate here on the Living the Grace Life podcast to have with us on the line from California. Jody, are you in California? I am in California right now. How about that? We have Jody Mullen Fondell. She is a pastor at churches. She's been a pastor in Stockholm, London, Paris. I know that at the American Church in Paris, Luxembourg City. Her first book is now out. It just came out recently. It is called I Was a Stranger, Encouraging the Church to Welcome and Embrace the Foreigner. I love the content of this book. I love the title. Jody, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? I'm good, Jim. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be able to have the opportunity to talk a little bit about my book and just to interact with you guys. And so I'm really grateful. Thank you. What, uh, I'm just wondering, what made you, because this is your first book and a lot of times, so Joe just finished his first book last year too. What really had been an an inspiration, like something must have been sort of itching or really, you know, a voice inside. What what made this book be, okay, you know what, I'm going to, I have to write this as my first book. Well, you know, so my husband and I have spent the last 21 years doing ministry in international churches in Europe. And, Jim, you were a part of ACP. You know how special these congregations are. You get sure. to, you know, the 
the church brings the world to their doorstep, and there's people who come from all walks of life that come into these doors. And our years in Stockholm in particular were just overly and overly impactful to me from the standpoint of the story of people's lives, why people move, why people find themselves as a stranger in a strange land. And so that kind of pro- that, that narrative has been part of my life for um, a lot of years now. And uh, I just, in, in today's climate, there is quite a bit of negativity sure. surrounding the foreigner and embracing the immigrant. And uh, I just felt like, you know what, there's a whole other story that needs to be told about why people move, about what the church had, the church's enormous and wonderful opportunity that they have to be that place of welcome and embrace that people who are on the move are so longing for. Right. So yeah, for I think me, it's so it like, cool. Let's not miss this opportunity, church. Yeah, it's just so cool. You come at it from an angle, and I love how in this book, because I think a lot of people don't realize that us as expats, as we go overseas, we a lot of times we have that choice. That's a decision we get to make. We get over there, we are the foreigner. We are the stranger and we feel totally out of place, yet it was almost something that that we chose to do. I mean, you say here in the introduction, you say, I can honestly say that what sat at the heart of our ministry was hospitality, being a welcoming community, a place where foreigners could be seen and heard and be called strangers no more. So is that when you would hit these churches, um, London, Paris, and Sweden, I guess, Stockholm, where you spent, you know, a great deal of time. Was that the goal to really just have this kind of what's now a buzzword, you know, radical hospitality and just fly open the doors to whoever walked in? Well, I can't say that, you know, when my husband and I first moved to Stockholm to take this job, that that, that we knew that was kind of going to be at the center of it all. But it, it became very clear very quickly that, um, that people were longing for a place to belong, that this, and you know, it's interesting because it grows out of my own experience too, because like you, Jim, I mean, we moved with a job and a contract and, and benefits and, and, you know, company payment and all that kind of stuff. And it was still just like so devastatingly lonely at times. You just felt like such a fish out of water. And so then you take that to the next step. You take it to the person with, with little or no financial resource. They moved because they had to because their country was imploding. They don't have the option to go home. And now here they are in this land that is so vastly different than their homeland. And they're trying to figure out how to do life there. And I just took kind of my own feelings you know, and multiplied them out and um, just realized that one of the greatest things that we can do is embrace people. And I mentioned this in the book, too, that I think for people who are living abroad, for whatever reason, so much of their life, day in, day out life, is struggling to fit in, trying to figure out who they are in this new place. They just, it's just a big struggle, language, customs you know, currency, all of that. And we just thought, you know, church needs to be that one place where people don't have to struggle. And that we just really pushed hard for that. That's great. I love this concept. So I was thinking about how it applies to Grace Life in our church. And so I wanted to ask you, it seems like uh, society today has become more and more segmented of itself. So you can actually have strangers in your own town, like, for example, people in recovery, I've spoken to them. They come into church many times and they feel like strangers, but they're like Americans and, and they, but the customs are different 
And so uh, I think that the concept that you're from your from your international experience can also be applicable. These concepts can be applicable to us locally, no? No, absolutely. And I, I kind of wrestled with that in the book a little bit in terms of my own um, kind of writing perspective, because I wanted people to realize that this goes beyond, you know, ethnic foreign, ethnic strangers, that you that exactly like you just said, all of us have strangers in our lives. And I think that's partly why, um, you know, one of the early chapters kind of deals with building empathy and, and helping people locate where in their own life they feel like the outsider. Because mm. I really think that by identifying in your own life where you feel like an outsider, then you can just kind of sit with those feelings, and it gives you empathy for whoever that is. So for me, you know, my experience with infertility has left me very much an outsider in a lot of different circles. Mm -hmm. Like you say, people in recovery, you know, people struggling with addiction, you know, single parents, uh, divorced uh, couples, you know, kids with, um, you know, maybe kids that have homosexual parents. I mean, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that sort of bucks the cultural norm, Mm -hmm. they the principles that are in uh, the book would certainly apply because at the end of the day, you know, we have so much more in common than we have uh, apart, and each one of us has an ingrained human longing to belong. And, yes. you know, we belong in Christ most dramatically. And so if the church can't be that place, where anybody can come and find who they are in Jesus and a warm embrace with the body of Christ, then, you know, where else? You know, I, I, this is such, it's such a noble, uh, sacred task, but it's almost an elusive goal because I know that one of the things we've experienced in our church as we've tried to do what you've said and, and embrace people who are different from us, like people in recovery, the more yep. we try to become a church where people, like you said, feel safe, uh, then all of a sudden, people who were Christians, now they don't feel safe. Right. And sometimes we've lost <laughs> right. families over That's it true. because they don't feel... So now they're the strangers. And it's just right. like... It weirds them out that this is not... The, it's like you grab some right. silly putty and you grab it and it just comes out the other side of your hand. And it's just... I don't know if you have anything in uh, any thoughts on that, but that's a that's a struggle that we've had. The more we, be, the more we make uncomfortable people feel like they're part of us, then the people who were part of us before start to feel uncomfortable. Yes, I, I, and I think you've named something that is um, really tragic um, mm-hmm. about, you know, the American church or churches in general, whatever. But I think that's where pressing people, you know, to find their own location with where they feel outside and how would they want to be treated and press for who God wants us to be in that moment. Mm. Um, helping them to identify with the embracing God, with compassionate Jesus, with the hospitality of Scripture. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's a task. It's a journey. It's a it's a growth point. It's not easy. And um, mm. yeah, you know, you're not always going to do it well. You're not everybody's going to want to be on board. You know, we're addicted to homogeneity, and it's sad and um, not the way God intended things to be. And I do think that. You know, for people who have the opportunity to be part of an international church or a multicultural church, if they can just relax a minute with all of their discomfort or just even own their discomfort and lean yes. lean yes. into it, the benefits start to pop out the other side. 
right? It's that you know, vulnerability and, and piece. That's, that's the what. Key. Yes. Oh, I could not agree more because, and Joe preaches a lot about vulnerability and the idea that the only way we're going to get to know each other and the only way, the crazy thing, right? The only way we're going to get to belong is to be uncomfortable and be vulnerable in this situation. You say it best here on page 12 of your book. I think when you, you're talking about ordering coffee, which I love this, where you are disoriented, you say the impact, you said the impact may even be compounded because in the U.S., no one thinks I'm a foreigner. They just think I'm dumb <laughs> when, when you're ordering coffee. But doesn't that like to me, I totally get that when I'm at Starbucks in the seventh arrondissement, right next to the American church, and I don't understand still, sadly, what anyone around me is saying in French, at that moment, I was just telling my wife Marta this, is where I feel most comfortable in my utter discomfort of mm. not, of whatever that, like I almost now look for that type of discomfort to know that that's where I'm going to be comfortable. But maybe, do you, I don't know, Jody, is that because maybe I've traveled? Or because I like what you're saying, how do we get people to understand that sitting with discomfort rather than taking a pill or doing something to try to get out of that, to figure out what it is that I'm really feeling at this moment, isn't that in a way where the game gets played? Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing. People, you know, people don't want to sit with their discomfort. And, you know, here in America, what is kind of crazy town for me after being away for so many years, you know, what, <laughs> Phil, there's, there's a gazillion and one choices. And so, you know, so if they come to your church some Sunday and they don't like what the pastor says, okay, well, you know, two feet down the road, there's another opportunity. And they right. don't like that one. So they go, and, and that's part of the problem is that, that's why we have so many different institutions is because people just said, I don't like it here. I want to go do my own thing. Well, that doesn't really help the kingdom. And I think mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we have got to be more clear about who we want to be for the kingdom of God than who we want to be in our own comfortable place. And I think you can help people understand that they're comfortable in so many places in their lives that maybe in this one point, they could begin to embrace some discomfort for the greater good of the kingdom of God. Mm. And I think the motive is really important. You know, we've got to know that the motive is for a much greater um, reality, yeah. you know, than, than, you know, the end game of church life for us as Christians should not be our own gratification. It should yes. be for the glory of God. And that's, uh, and that's a big problem. That's one of the challenges it's a huge our church... problem. Ugh. Yeah, and our church is a little different, so we don't have any full-time staff, and we don't own a building, because we want most of our ministry money to go to outreach, maybe to what you're right. talking about, going to strangers. Yeah. Really, that's where we want yeah. most of our stuff right. to go. Right. But because of that, there are times that I hate it that they feel this way, and I don't, I don't judge them. Sometimes I feel as a pastor, like, I wish you didn't feel slighted, you know, like, because yeah. like you said, they're so used to getting what they need or what they want. There's right. so many and, choices. You know, I, and I talk about, you know, I, one of the chapters, you know, is called Learn to Love the Chaos. And when we talk to people about this, they don't really fully understand it at first. And it's like, look, you know, if you're looking for a linear approach and a step-by-step, -step, um, you know, functionality, then stay away from multicultural environments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, and I said this in the book, you know, my husband and I, we attended this seminar, and this woman, the very first thing she said, if you're involved in multicultural ministry, it's not chaotic, you're not doing something right. right. And we just heaved a sigh of relief, because it is Wait a minute, chaotic. wait, wait, wait. Who, who said that? 
Um, Who said that? Brenda Salter McNeil, actually. She's a phenomenal writer, I, author, has made a deep wow. impact I on me. I love that line. You've got to learn to love yeah. the chaos. And, yeah. and, and then, because that's when you start to see, you know, it's like, okay, this is so crazy, and this is so not how I would do this, but wow, look at it work, and look at these people thrive, and look how they're growing, and it's amazing. Yeah, but it's, it's uncomfortable. super. Yeah. And, I, and I hope I made that clear in the book. It was super uncomfortable for me a lot of the time. I and know, it's still right? uncomfortable for me a lot of the time. I just have been able to say, okay, this discomfort will eventually lead to something really beautiful. Yeah, right? Don't you miss the, I miss that feeling, though, here in the States. Like you said, you come back, and so you have a great story on page 20 about your your passport when you were looking for it. Well, maybe it's not so great to you. I mean, yeah, I don't okay want to tick you. I don't want to re-traumatize <laughs> you. Which, no, no. Uh, so anyway, you lose your passport, and so you, you then gain an you, – you, it, it all happens quickly the next morning, but you gain an understanding on then here's what it must feel like for people that are coming. But how do we then translate? So in the United States, three out of four people don't have a passport. In fact, I got to say, a lot of my family and friends from Indiana look at me like, um, why do you want a passport? Like, was it's almost like a nationalistic, uh, what's wrong with the, what's wrong with the U.S.? Like, what, I don't understand. You don't have enough why are you leaving? Is it not good enough for you? Like this kind of dialogue gets going. So is, that type of audience, I think, do you think they have a real hard time? Like if when we say we lose our passport, we know the panic that sets in. All, a lot of these people don't don't even have or want or think it's unpatriotic to have one, if you can believe that. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I think, you know, this may sound a little harsher than I mean it to, but at the end of the day, the kingdom of God is not American Christianity. Wait a minute. And so you, just, just, you know, as soon as, soon as you I said like, it, 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 this may sound, every time I say it might sound harsh, Jim gets excited because he, he likes it. When, <laughs> when pastors are harsh, he likes it for some reason. So It's real. He it's just, real. He did a handstand. If we really want to know the totality of God's grace, the fullness of the kingdom, the richness of who Christ is, it can't be limited to our own culture. I agree. Thank you. That is one teeny tiny slice of the pie. And look at America. I mean, we have so many different perspectives represented here, and it's still just a tiny sliver of global Christianity. Right. Spoiler alert. Christianity is for the whole world. It's not just for Americans. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Ah, it's so true. You also say counting the cost. I like here this on page 49. I just want to wrap up with this. You say most churches want to be welcoming, at least in theory, but it seems somewhat obvious that if churches are not growing, then new people are not being welcomed. I, I think that that's a breakthrough statement that a church would think, well, no, that can't be. It must be them. Or, or, you know, like, there's yeah. no way, like, if you're not growing, then you're not, you must not be welcoming. Like, that's, that's just, I, I mean, do you feel like that's a reality of a church? But then, do you think that leads down the wrong path? 
that then you can say, oh, yeah, come on, we welcome everyone. And the message of the gospel can either get to our last podcast was talking about some of the ways that current day churches are diluting the message or saying Jesus isn't the way he's one of the ways or he, you know, they they get wishy-washy on some of these foundational values. How do you walk that sort of gray area? Well, I think you have to really be clear about you got to know who you are. You got to know what your non-negotiables are. Mm-hmm. And, but you got to really know who you are then. And, you know, Jim, you know that, you know, to really know who you are takes a lot of work yeah. so that you don't shift with the wind all the time. But in knowing who you are, then you can pursue that vigorously. And when I say, you know, if you're not growing, you're not welcoming people, I just simply mean if you're, if you're, I, I don't mean you have to grow from 100 to 2,000 in sure, a year's sure. time. I sure. think you just want to make sure that, that, that people are coming in on a regular basis. And, and, you know, people leave and people come. So it's, it's not even a numbers game, but it's more just who are you, who is coming into your door and wanting to stay. Good. And in the middle of who you are, because there's a whole bunch of churches that I would visit and bless their ministry, but I wouldn't want to go there uh, mm-hmm. for a whole bunch of different reasons. It doesn't mean they're not <laughs> right. welcoming. Right. But, you know, in this landscape that we have, you know, churches, I think, would do well to stop and say, okay, who isn't being reached and how can we reach them? Ah, Good. I love it. So, Jody, thank you so much thank for you, Jody. spending time. Pleasure it's to just meet you great to hear this sort of vision and the way that you see it now after being, uh, you know, outside of the United States for a couple of decades, you and Doug. And the book, again, yep. is called I Was a Stranger, Encouraging the Church to Welcome and Embrace the Foreigner. You can get this on Amazon.com. That's where I got it. Jody, any places that the, you want them to get the book from, or is Amazon good? No, I, I think I'm, Amazon's the best supplier. You can go right to the publisher, too, which is with and stock, but that's hard to spell. So Amazon is probably your best bet. You know, and my hope is that churches might embrace this book and just use it as a tool. You know, in the back, there's a small group guide that can walk you through some questions, help people just start to to process some of um, some of the discomfort that we talked about, just, you know, process it in a group and have some discussion and, and decide, you know, what you can and can't do as a church. And I think on that, count the cost chapter, you know, it's just like, look, just be aware that, that you have to change and understand how much you really want to, right. you know, because the worst thing we can do is say we're welcoming and then not really. Right. And knowing who you are. See, Joe, when you picked Who Are You, the song for Jody here, you were like, you didn't understand just how spot on that was. Or maybe I did. Or maybe you did. Uh, <laughs> That's very good. Jody, Jody, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks again. And good luck with the yeah. book. Thanks, you guys. Good luck and God bless you in your ministry. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Joe, it's such a refreshing... I just, you know, it's like, uh, I got to say, a lot of the way... I don't know if you ever saw, there's a great series called 112263. It's a date. It's Mm -hmm. JFK assassination. And it's a series, Stephen King book. And uh, James Franco, he plays this guy who goes back in time to try and stop the assassination. Anyway, he's walking around all the time and he feels lost. 
These aren't his people. Mm. He's not from this time zone. I can't. He's not from this era. That's how I walk through life, I think. (laughs) And Jody just sort of represents someone else who has walked through life. And they always say when you live overseas, when you come back, it it just feels – it feels different. And yeah, uh, yeah, I mean for me, I I just – it's totally different. It's another kind of world. So to hear her talk and to hear her story – and you brought up some great points on how it doesn't have to be – Per se, listen. There is no question that even in, in America, there are subcultures in America that feel uncomfortable around church people, and uh, we're trying to break that mold. And I'll be, let's be real. I've learned this as the pastor at Grace Life. Trying to break that mold, it does not come without a cost. You lose people, you lose friends. Not you don't lose friends. You just you know, it's just it's a different, it's a dirtier, uh, chaotic way to do church. And it's not for everyone, although I wish it, it, it should You're be. You're right. It you should know, be. When I walk in, when I walk in, well, you know, I mean, so for me, being it'll be two years in recovery in October, you know, when I walked into the church, I mean, I can usually see a recovery crowd. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I kind of know what that looks like. And uh, yeah, like... I could see that. And it was, a. I didn't know that you had Grace Life Recovery. I didn't know anything. I just walked in. And so that the, there is a, a different way, and it's a comedy club where we meet. Yeah. There is a different vibe, but you established that vibe out of the gate there. We did. So I almost feel like it's, you know, the... Um, who are from Rudolph, the uh, the misfit, the island of misfits yeah. or whatever. Like I feel, I feel like one of them. A lot of well, the I know time I am too. as a pastor. I you know I, I've had some quote unquote good ministries, but I've always been kind of like a a fish out of the cultural water when it came to the American church, and so this has been a natural direction, I guess. And so right out of the gate, I wanted to make sure that while we will make sure that we don't ever compromise the gospel. Uh, we'll compromise our methods wherever necessary, as long as we don't violate biblical principles. Now, when you say a fish out of water, what what do you mean? Well, I've been fired. That, like, yeah, uh, but some, it hasn't. Sometimes, I mean, rightfully so. Sometimes not. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. But the ministries I've had have always been ones that take take away my own personality that grates against people. The ministries <laughs> that we actually had were very. Uh, I don't know. They were very disruptive. They were loud. They were messy. Mm. Uh, it had messy people in them. You know, I remember one time in my uh, my second job as a youth pastor, uh, I used to try to get to church really early to clean up the cigarette butts from the night before, so mm. that nobody would be upset at the type of kids that we had. Ah, you know, that's just part. Yeah, it's part. It's part of it. So yeah, well, that goes in a lot of ways to what we were talking about on our last episode too, and what Jody mm. just spoke about. And this is you were talking this chapter six of your book in the Grace Life. What Philippians teaches us about loving one another relentlessly. In chapter six, it's you know got a controversial title in the sense beware of dogs and we are at the part in page 81 where this is the devotional piece where you say following the gospel instead of religion which already is going to get some people fired up you say bad theology about the gospel robs us of truly knowing jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings we miss out on the joy of christ and the grace life what 
exactly do you mean by that? Because you then add, life becomes a swirling, sucking eddy of despair, a sea of nominalism, universalism, and no real boundary on what is truth and reality and what is just an idea and a figment of the imagination. Wow, that is really well There's written. There's a lot there. <laughs> I might have got you fired from the last. <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't have some sort of mooring in your life, for me, that mooring is not going to be a man-made system. I've just determined mm. that I'm not really good at those. My mooring is going to be my Jesus and his eternal message of hope and redemption through his work on the cross. And for me, that is going to be what I'm anchored to. And without that, without that, then there is no point to even do this podcast. Right. There's no point in spending hours a week writing sermons. There's no point of having grace life for corrupt. And none of it matters. It, it becomes a sea of nominalism and universalism with no real boundary of what truth and reality are. I mean that, you know? And so my heart is I want to make sure that no matter what happens, that there is nothing that will come between me and the message of my Jesus. Right. I mean, it, but... That would involve conflict, I would think, because you have here on page 82, we don't merely want to provide warnings or win an argument, like you said earlier, with somebody who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. You say fighting helps no one. We don't want to point out false doctrine in a way that makes somebody who doesn't believe in Christ feel like garbage. Hmm. And now, how do you do that? Well... It's funny you say that, but the, but the very next line is, but let me be clear, pastoral love will not let the dogs run wild like Julio. <laughs> you, know, so, like so, Julio. <laughs> you know, so we are not going to be in a situation. I, I'm not trying to make someone who doesn't agree with me that Jesus is the way, which I believe with all my heart, soul, mind, and intellect. I believe that. I embrace that. Uh, my job is not to make them feel like they're going to lose an argument if we debate. Yeah. My job is to make them feel like, well, even if I don't agree... Joe's going to welcome me anyway. Right. That being said, there have been times, even in the short life that we've had Grace Life, there have been people that came in and they were actually stealth people from other cults. Mm. And I'm not going to get into which mm -hmm. one or anything like that, but I had to call them out. Listen, I don't know who you are that well, but you're not going to come into these small groups and invite people to your Bible studies where you're going to teach something that is antithetical to the message of our Jesus. Mm. And so while I was, you know, the fact that they came in and they felt welcomed enough, but then at one point I had to make sure the dogs weren't running wild. And that's, you know what, that's the job of a pastor. That's, yeah. that's our job uh, as overseers and shepherds is to make sure that uh, while we aren't looking to win an argument, make people feel like garbage, we are not going to let the dogs run wild. Exactly. You say we must stay humble here on page 83 and vulnerable and show compassion to those around us who don't yet know that they need unconditional grace and mercy from Jesus. This isn't about winning. It's about building the kingdom of God. And that's just, it sounds like it's almost what Jody there said too was, it's a bigger, this is a lot bigger than the line. Someone just, I had heard said, if you draw a line in the sand, you can pretty much bet that Jesus is going to be on the other side of that line, looking and asking what you're saying. What is it that you believe? Is it me that is Christ, or is it something else? And so as long as it sounds like you're saying this foundational way of looking at the Gospels will refute what you call here the Gospel, and it will refute the bad religion 
and follow the gospel. Yeah, and I just want to make sure. So for those that didn't click off the podcast as soon as I said Jesus is a way, but not, or Jesus is the way, but not a, you know, a way. Yep. I want to make sure that they hear clearly what I've said with as much passion as I can in the last part of this chapter. This is not about a debate. Yeah. This is not about an argument. It is about a mooring and a foundation that you will not allow to be corrupted. Yes, that's well said. Well, Joe, I tell you, that message, along with what we heard from Jody, uh, talking about welcoming the stranger, it's almost like people, the only way they can feel this belonging that we've talked about is for them to experience it mm-hmm. and to feel it. So mm-hmm. you can do that. If you can't make it to Grace Life Sarasota, you can always catch us right here on the Living the Grace Life podcast. If you've got a question for Joe or anyone here, maybe you've got a question for Wayne. How does he put up with Joe? That's Why does Joe question. get to decide the bumper music? Whoa, 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 maybe whoa, whoa, whoa. people, maybe, I'm just, I'm not you telling know, them early what on the in this podcast, are. I was the one sticking up for Wayne. <laughs> Is that, Wayne and that I That was are, the last podcast, We are I men think. of the street. That was, that was la- well, Wayne, if you have a question for anyone here at Jump Dog Audio Productions, Joe or myself, just email us at livingthegracelife, that's livingthegracelife, podcast at gmail.com. It was a great episode 20, and we are so looking forward to season two, Joe. Like you said, there's so many people that we're going to be having this go round. It's just, it's exciting to see all the different avenues and the places pick up the book and the second book that's coming joe when do you expect what's the title when do you expect that the title is still in a working okay Uh, it's going to be something about learning how to love god's word and we're using psalm 119 which is really all about a love affair with god's word the the goal is to have that available for purchase on black friday ah nice Uh, just like the grace life was there you go and so that's the goal for that one this book is a little different it's a little bigger okay Uh, it's more designed to be used as a devotional Awesome. And uh, I'm very excited about it. I can't wait. We're going to go through that entire book as well. So that could, that this one takes a us a year, that one could take us a decade. Yeah, maybe. So <laughs> but we'll stick it out. So, well, as always, we want to thank you, our listening audience, for Pastor Joe, for Wayne, for Jody Mullen Fondell, and myself, your host, Jim Hobbs. Just remember whatever you do each and every day, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life.